Welcome to this week's edition of Everything Fast Pitch by Fast Pitch Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio getting ready to record episode number 240. Got a really good show lined up for you today. In our warm-up segment, we're going to talk about our City of the Week, Player of the Week, Equipment Tip of the Week. We have an interesting Did You Know that harkens back to something we just talked about a couple of weeks ago. And then a really good listener question that kind of a replay of something we've talked about a little bit in the past. And then, of course, Paige's Power Play. In our leadoff topic, we're going to talk about some different things that have been published recently, talking about players losing their love for the game and kids that are ending up in college programs that maybe uh, didn't have the the desire to get there that uh, we really all assumed they had. In our cleanup topic, we're going to talk a little bit about leadership, uh, something that I saw, uh, again, on social media that I thought was very interesting that I wanted Coach Don and I to jump into a little bit. And then in our coaching tip of the week, we're just going to talk about something that has absolutely nothing to do with softball, but just a little bit of a life lesson thing for players and parents to be kind of paying attention to, something that uh, I've seen several times personally with players that I'm working with at the facility, um, and something that I think uh, we all need to be aware of and be paying attention to. So before we get into those topics, let's talk about our sponsors. First, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus 9 rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website and order your bats, use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. It's a great way for you to save a little bit of money on a great bat and also help support everything fast pitch at the same time. Anderson's got a really great line of bats out there. We truly do support them. We love the product. Uh, We've got a lot of players that we work with that are swinging them, and they're doing a great job. And if you do the EFP20 discount, it's going to save you an extra 20% and also help support everything fast pitch at the same time. Also in the Support Everything Fast Pitch column is patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch. I'm going to give you all a break. I'm not not going to beat the drum anymore. Either you're going to support us or you're not. If you do, that's great. If you don't, our days are numbered. So hopefully people come on board. Again, you go to patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch. It's a, a monthly subscription. You're going to agree to either $5, 10 or $20 a month. If we can get a bunch of people to come on board. Uh, y'all can pay a little bit, support us a lot, and keep uh, the wheels turning, keep everything fast pitch rolling um, into the future. So Don, our warm-up segment this week is sponsored by Bidinger and Styles DDS in Webster, Mass. Um, they've been sponsoring us now for a while. They've been a longtime supporter, uh, patron, and financial supporter of the podcast. We really do appreciate their support. If you're in that area, if you have any dental needs at all, check out the folks at Bidinger and Styles. They're really strong softball people. They'll take really good care of you. So, Don, our city of the week this week is Cranford, New Jersey. Cranford, New Jersey. I'm sure they're probably starting to tighten up on the weather. Yeah, Mother Mother Nature yep. is probably not their friend very much uh, this time of year. But it's very interesting to me. Um, you know, every time we talk about the city of the week, there's places that I've been. There's some places that I haven't. Um, now, New Jersey is one of those places that I've been to several times uh, to speak at that uh, coach's clinic. Um, I've always enjoyed it, had a really great experience there. Um, flew in and out of Philadelphia. Philadelphia was our city of the week not too long ago. Yeah. It's an area I've got some familiarity with. You know, I have to admit, though, I'm one of those people, 
Uh, th- those big, big eastern cities kind of intimidate me a little bit. I've you know been to a few of them, but just hitting you know hitting it for a weekend for a coach's clinic or a recruiting trip or something like that. Uh, always you know enjoyed my time in that part of the country. You know, and obviously they're playing a lot of great softball. So we want to say thank you to the folks in Cranford. And obviously, they've done a good job of pushing the podcast out to their friends. Need to keep sharing. And yeah. get, getting other people to listen. That's something we hope all our listeners will do. Find those people that you know are crazy about fast pitch that aren't listening yet. Get them on board. Um, I'm confident if they do listen once that they'll come back. We want to you know, definitely get as many people involved with listening on a weekly basis as we possibly can. So, Don, our player of the week this week is Leela Schneck. Leela's a player on a 12 and under team. And her coach wanted to nominate her. Um, because uh, Leela's had one of those years where she had some real struggles, had some uh, challenges on the field, was uh, uh, really struggling with her confidence, was really struggling with her fear of the ball um, had, sure. uh, as she was aging up and, and dealing with uh, the fact that the kids were hitting the ball a whole lot harder. She's a pitcher um, and that the pitchers are throwing the ball a whole lot harder. She was really struggling with that uh, transition as she was moving her way up the age groups. And Leela's one of those kids that just... Uh, accepted that challenge. She realized that she needed to make some changes and realized she needed to work on some things and has, uh, you know, turned the corner. She's gotten to the point now where she's, you know, overcome that fear, overcome that challenge and is, is having a great year, uh, really contributing to the success of her team. I always love those stories of players overcoming some hardship. We talk about professional players you know, being recognized as the comeback player of the year. And usually when somebody uh, receives that kind of recognition, it's becomes they're coming back from some sort of injury. Well, we all know now that you know the mental game is such a big part of our game uh, that when a player is struggling with their confidence, when they're struggling with fear, when they're struggling with the uh, idea they just don't have as much confidence in themselves or as much faith in their abilities as they need to, that that's quite a comeback story too. When you see somebody work through that, because unfortunately there are some kids that you know hit that wall and end up just leaving the game. You know they they just don't have the ability to overcome it. No, Leela, that's a great job. And uh, again, there's a lot of challenges in softball and in life, like you said. And when we dig in and get it done, that's kind of a habit. So yeah. that's, that's awesome. I love it. Well, and that's one of those things we, we always talk about why we want our kids to be involved in athletics to begin with and is learning these kinds of skills. You know, life is going to throw us all a lot of different challenges and obstacles. And you know, if you can be a 12 and under softball player and learn how to overcome something, how to, you know, grind out the result, you know, keep with it until you can get, you know, to the point where you're you know, having the success that you want to have. I think that sets you up for being good at a lot of stuff for the rest of your life. And I think, I think that's an important thing. I think that's awesome. Keep it up, Leela. So congratulations, Leela. You are the Fast Pitch Prep Player of the Week. For our equipment tip of the week, Don, let's keep our conversation about the Square Cuts training discs going. No, the discs, uh, you know, something we use every day at the cages here. And, uh, you know, we had uh, a few students that were in here last week. As they were using them, they were, again, hitting one, smiling, looking back, looking at mom and dad. And it's like, hey, these, these things really do work. Again, it's something fun and different. And we talk about the holidays coming and something different that you can do. And, you know, if we uh, grab a set for our coaches, every time they pull them out, they're going to, you know, be thinking about your thoughtfulness for the holidays. And uh, I think that'll be something that they'll use through the spring and be excited about all year. Yeah, I know it's, uh, it's exciting to me to see the popularity growing, to see more and more people uh, getting them. We had a situation uh, a few days ago had uh, somebody who doesn't really work at our facility had a, had a situation come up and she needed to do some pitching lessons. Her facility was out of commission. She came over and, and used one of our pitching lanes and she saw the, uh, 
the information up on the wall, the pictures of the square cuts training discs. And she came over and asked me a few questions, picked one up and started kind of, you know, playing around with it. But being the pitching person, started doing some different snaps and, and flips and things. It's like, well, I could use something like this for pitching. It's easy to grip. I could just see the wheel spinning, you know, how, how she was, you know, kind of picturing in her mind how this could be useful. And on her way out that day, she stopped and got a dozen. Yep. They hadn't even used it yet. Hadn't you know? You know, she could have you know, cer- certainly easily asked to borrow one while she was working with her lessons that day. Um, and I would have been more than happy to let her use them. To me, that's the kind of thing that we did not anticipate. You know, we created a hitting tool, um, but we keep having more and more people finding ways to use them for pitching, for defense, for fielding, for throwing, for all kinds of different things um, that we didn't anticipate. And that's just one more benefit to it. So you go to the fastpitchprep.com website. They're forty nine ninety five a dozen. You order them up there, they'll get, a, get them shipped out to you right away. I know we've been seeing quite a few more going out the door. Um, so hopefully, Don, as you said, it's that uh, Christmas gift maybe for your coach or just something that a player or coach knows that they need to have in the training tools. No, I think it's an exciting tool that everybody needs one set for sure. Absolutely. Get you started. So, Don, remember, did you know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the uh, controversy that was created in a high school softball game where the old cutting third base play came into right. play yep, and yep. the uh, social media storm that followed it because the video showed how clearly that that, that, and... that player missed third base. The fallout from that social media storm has cost a high school softball coach's job. Oh, no. And in his defense, um, I think you know he pointed out something very, very reminiscent because it, it was a lot of what you and I talked about. He learned that play in you know, his high school playing days as a baseball player, something that he had carried forward because he, he was taught that as just you know general strategy. You know, it's up to the other team to be paying attention. You know, it's up to the other team to appeal it. If the other team appeals it, then you know, you know, then our play is going to be penalized. They're going to call it out, and it's going to be on us. Unfortunately, he uh, was was replaced. And part of the story, though, I think that there's more to it than just the play. Um, that there was, you know, a lot of reaction to the social media outcry, and a lot of people were questioning the morals and ethics, and you know, kind of the discussion we had is: is it part of the game? Is it is it gamesmanship or is it cheating? The article that I read, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure that they came out and really said that it's cheating, but they basically said that you know the administration in, the, in that school district, the the school board. Uh, saw it as not representing their school the way they wanted to be represented. Understandable. And uh, yeah. uh, moving forward, I think it's a, a cautionary tale to all of us as coaches that there's a lot of things that you know, we talked about uh, in our discussion about is it cheating or is it gamesmanship that we all want to be paying attention to the message that we're sending a little bit more carefully. You know, we talked about you know the illegal pitching dilemma that our game faces. We talked about the leaving base early because we know the umpire can't watch all the bases. And it gives us a chance to steal more bases. Um, you know, we talked about the slappers who step out of the box and know they're going to step out of the box, but they get away with it. You know, enough of the time um, that they just continue to do it because they know it's not going to get called. And for the few times that they get called, the number of times that they're safe, it's in their mind. It's a it's a good trade off. Picking signals. Where do we draw the line? Right, runner at second Cut. base signaling where the location is, or signaling what what the pitch is if they can read the the catcher's signals. You know, all those different things. I think this raises the question of, is that all going to be seen in a different light now moving forward? And especially really obvious situations, things that are really clear to a lot of different uh, people is uh, problematic. Yeah, no, it's interesting for sure, Tori. And, you know, the 
cutting the corners at, on bases. I, I was trying to think back to that. And when do we know when that's necessary? Like, I mean, how do, how do we know we wouldn't have been safe anyway right. if we would have gone to the bay? I mean, I, you just follow those right. rules. Well, but I me. guess it's, I mean, you know, it's, it, it, it all falls into the same category, though. You know, the, the rules. How you know, much it, do you it, cut? Yeah, it's, it's sort you, of like uh, in NASCAR, you know, when they talk about, you know, if, you're ain't, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Unfortunately, I think that there's a little bit of that uh, same message mindset. now. And again, you know, the idea of the game catching you breaking the rules, you know, ultimately, I think that what we're seeing is that there's enough places and enough chances where people get away with not following the letter of the law, not following the letter of the rule book. They, you know, they just see it as, you know, that's just part of the game. It's okay. And if they call it, then they call it. But if they don't, we're going to you know, have an advantage. And I think the advantage is outweighing the potential consequences. Yeah, no, I, I, again, in, in life too, I mean, I think that we need to, uh, over-engineer things or overdo things or do them more than is necessary if, if we're going to be comfortable down the road. So, yeah. um, you know, the cut and corners part, I, it's tough. Yeah. And, and again, to me, it's, you know, the, the coach in me sees it all as part of the game. The parent in me sees it a little bit differently. And I understand the perception, you know, when something is that public, when it's that well publicized, um, when people are you know, responding and, and calling your school and calling your players and calling your coaches cheaters, that the school board's going to probably react to that. Just think of how different things are now. Because yeah. that would have been something that would have been a very just local scuffle butt. Right. You know, well, and honestly. Without the social media. End yeah, of it. yeah. You know, not, not that long ago, it wouldn't even have been a controversy because without the video evidence. Right. It would have just been, wow, it seems like she scored fast. He said, she said. Right. And could you have seen how obvious it was? Well, you you would have suspected it, but you wouldn't have had proof. Well, now with... There was four angles on that that, one. Yeah, every every game has got 25 cameras and and every at-bat's got every, you know, every kid's at-bat, every play that a player is making now is on somebody's video camera somebody's phone, yep. that there's going to always be evidence. And so the most common one, and, and I'm guilty of this, I've told base runners a thousand times, if you're never getting called out for leaving early, you're not leaving early enough. You've been called out at second base for not leaving right. early enough. Yeah, yeah, you've been tagged out at second on yep. a steal because you didn't, you weren't aggressive enough on your leadoff. On other attempts. Right. right. Yep. And, and, and the, the moral to the story is I'm basically telling our runners at first base that they need to push the envelope as far as they can. If they break the rules, they break the rules, so be it. So I'm as guilty as this coach is of having taught in a different way strategy that yeah. is you know breaking the rules. Is that any different than the hundreds of pitching coaches across the country that ignore illegal pitching because their pitchers are successful doing it? Because they get away with it. Because that. they get away with it so much yeah. of the time. Yeah. And and you know last year the outcry when we had all that uh, stuff with uh, Virginia Tech in the in the NCAA tournament with their star pitcher not getting called 80% of the time, but then being called the 20% of the time when the bright lights are shining on the NCAA tournament or the conference tournament or the national TV game. As much as I hate to admit it now, my reaction was frustration with the umpires for calling it once in a while if they don't call it all the time, as much as it was the fact that you know, right. that the players are are doing something that within the letter of the law is breaking the rules. And so, you know, it's just a it's a very slippery slope but I guess the, the moral to the story is for everybody that's in a leadership position, we're going to talk about leadership later on today, Right. you have to think about the impression and the perception and the way people are going to react to 
what it is that you're teaching and what it is that you're doing as part of your team strategy. And obviously, in this case, a coach paid the ultimate price for doing something that I'm sure before this came out, before this storm of social media backlash happened, he and hundreds of other people were you know, going about their business thing, and it's just part of the game. Yeah, scuffing so, scuffing up a ball for a pitcher. Yeah, I mean, I mean you know, the the list of things, you know, we've we've talked about, you know, eight or ten things just off the top of our head where we know according to the letter of the law, we're not following the rules. So interesting. Yeah. We're yeah. we're really not following the rules. And so now if I'm that coach that walks out to the mound and picks up the ball and pretends to be talking to the pitcher while I scuff the heck out of the ball for her because it's a little bit slippery. Well, somebody's going to have that on video now. Is is that the kind of thing that I've done? Of course I've done it. If you make an illegal substitution intentionally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the... <clears throat> that um, doesn't get caught or... Yeah, the, this, the, the illegal bats. You know, I mean, we're going to have... We could go on yeah, and on you know that you know that bat's wiggly. It's got stress yeah, cracks in it. Yeah, and, and but you don't want to take it out because it's really hot right before it really breaks. Right. So, you know, it's just, it's going to be a, a slippery slope that I think we're all going to have to pay attention to. And in this case, because of the circumstances, because of the way it, it, it hit the social media storm, somebody, somebody ended up not being the coach at that school anymore. So, yeah. So, so did you know, be careful what you wish for, I guess is probably the, the better way to put it, uh, because some things that we've just taken for granted for a very long time, we should probably be rethinking. So Don, our listener question this week, another one that we've talked about in the past, comes to us from Jason. And Jason is very frustrated because... He's either been on the end of stalling tactics one too many times, but his point was a simple one, and I think it's one that we that's worth us talking about, is whether a coach wants to stall to win a game or not, that's for them to decide. But the thing that I think it's really being missed is when that's happening, how do the players feel? If I'm a player on a team and we're ahead by a run going into the, you know, whatever the inning is that, you know, we can stall the last three minutes or we have to go play defense for one more half inning to make sure we win the game. I wonder what the players think. You know, So you have so little confidence in us getting three more outs that it, you're going to stall? It ties into our last topic, Tori. Yep. I mean, just strategizing that way, I think it's tough. And again, we pull this back into our time limit games. I just think that the time limit games create some of this, this chaos and this problem. I mean, after we finish our time limit game of our 70 minutes or whatever, uh, you know, whatever that tournament's set up as, we've got to go and warm up and clear a dugout, clean a dugout, move to another field just to start back up where we stopped to begin with. And it's all about the kids playing. Let's get more at bats. Let's, let's lengthen the games, get rid of this stall tactic strategy for coaches. I mean, we're there to watch the kids play. And to get them at bats and to get them, you know, to enjoy the, the game of softball and to get better. And we're not getting better if we're just cleaning up a field to move over to another to start up right where we finished off. Right. Doing the same things that we were doing just against a different group. But, right. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Well, and, and there's a, a lot of layers to this. So the whole stalling thing, the stalling thing becomes a, an issue <clears throat> because it feels like it's always happening when the game's the most exciting, right? You know, it's, it's that last yeah. inning and they're coming back and we're afraid we can't get them out. So we stall to make sure that they don't get to hit one more time. So instead of learning how to shut them down, right. we'll let the coaches shut them down. Yeah. So that's why it's such a hot button topic because it is 
when the game's most exciting, when it should be the most fun to play, and honestly, when we could be learning our most valuable lessons. How to, yeah. You know, like how to, you know, suck it up when we need to get three more outs to win this game. How Dig to in and get it done. Yeah. yeah. You know, how, how to, you know, find a way to win when the pressure's on and all those kinds of things are being taken away because instead of playing one more inning, we go out and pretend to be talking strategy for 45 seconds or a minute. We, you know, we stop and talk to the umpire to ask a question about the lineup card. We, but again, if you feel good walking, walking away from the field after you've done that, I just don't get it. No. And, and, and I don't either. I've, you know, but again, no, I, I'm spoiled because I spent the you know, vast majority of my life playing in an environment where we had no time limit until the game is over. Yeah, You played yeah. until the game was, you know, seven innings, you know, run rule, run rule or whatever yeah. it was. And so the idea of the whole time limit thing to me is, is frustrating. But the point about stealing from our players the chance to play when the game should be the most fun. And who can be spectacular? Who can come through? Who right. Can, I mean. Or, or dealing with exact. the heartbreak of, okay, we, we didn't get it done. You know, we, we, we couldn't seal the deal, but we've got to learn some lessons. We've got to become a better team. And so to me, that's way more. You're, you're uh, spot on. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a big part of what, what's missing in this, in this whole discussion. And if I'm a player and, my, and I'm out there thinking, yeah, we, we, we're going to win this game. We it doesn't matter. We're going to finish this game. And all of a sudden, my coach is out there stalling away the game because they have no faith in us. That's something else that's that I think is kind of level. lost in this whole thing. So, but now the flip side of it is, as soon as we have time limits, we're going to have the opportunity for somebody to, to stall. And so that's always going to be part of it. And the other part of it, and this is something that I think you know, I would definitely you know, remind Jason of, is obviously when stalling's happening at the most exciting part of the game, that's very frustrating. But we did this experiment. I told, you know, we talked about this several uh, years ago on the podcast. When I was at a tournament, I was timing how much actual softball was being played in a time limit game. Versus how much time was being wasted, cheering, running in to meet at the at, at the pitcher's recall, mound yeah. every time they were, that we got an out, you know, all these different Warm kinds of pitches. things. And and hour and thirty minute game, we were actually playing softball for like twelve minutes, right? And all the rest of it was wasted time. You know, the coaches having a one minute meeting at the dugout door after the team comes off out. on defense, yeah. or before you send them back out on defense. You know, the stopping to talk to player before every pitch, you know, the never ending signals, all that different stuff. And honestly, I think I was probably generous in the amount of time that I said we were really playing. Throwing the um, ball around in it, between outs. Yeah. And now some of it I'm okay with because I think it does keep the game moving, but some of it, it you know, again, adds to this whole feeling of, you know, your frustration of how much game do we really get to play is an absolute legitimate one. But I think that the you know the time limit is part of it. The wasted time is part of it. The stalling is a very emotionally charged part of it because it's happening when it's happening in the game. And so I think stalling is weak. I don't think we should be doing it. I think if we have so little faith in our team that we can't put them out there to play defense one more time to get three more outs, that's on us. And and it, using that as a strategy to win is that I a win? Is, is that it, a win? I mean, it it says you win. You get to advance to the next round if it's a bracket game, I guess. But you know, to me, it's, it's just a, a weak way to shortcut the system, and it shows a, a lot less faith in our team than I think we should have. I, yeah, I agree. I, I mean, the time limits, I guess, keep things a little bit on schedule and stuff like that, but longer time limits would also allow yeah, but, it. But we'd still have the same problem. If we, if we had a, so if we have an hour and 15-minute time limit, 
and people stall it out, or we have an hour and 45-minute time limit, and people are still wasting time and stall out, it's still the same problem. It's just we have a little bit more time you know, to play yeah. a little bit more softball. The only way to really solve it is to go into it knowing we're going to play seven innings or get run ruled. It, you know, right. that, that's, that's, the, that, that, that's our we're options. That. But that doesn't allow them to guarantee seven games or it sounds right. wonderful for a, yeah. a big entry fee. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 we're going to guarantee seven games. Every player is going to get eight at-bats in those seven games because the leadoff <laughs> hitter is the only person that might hit twice. Twice. And depending upon uh, how much time is wasted in the game and how much time the coaches stall, um, they might not have to get deeper than the you know, top of the order the second time. So to we stall gotta, or not we, to stall. We got to work that out. Yeah, Stalling the, uh, the exciting part of the game away to win it is weak, but wasting a whole lot of time during the game is also weak. So we got to, you know, we got to solve it on, on several different levels. And if we can get away from time limits a little bit more, play longer time limits so we have a chance to actually play seven innings, um, I think that's a, a, a win-win, too. That would be awesome. Yeah. All right. So, Don, that's going to take us to this week's edition of Paige's Power Play. Hey, it's Paige here, um, and I have a few questions for you as parents. So, first couple, well, here's, here are the questions. Is your daughter afraid to have a conversation with her coach or ask about playing time? or tell them what they want out of their season and experience. I know club seasons are really long. Or are you the one doing the talking with the coaches? First off, you're not doing her any favors by talking for her. As hard as it is, I get it. I'm like mama bear over here now. I can't eat like someone like treats my daughter wrong or, or sorry, daughter. I have a son. <laughs> someone treats my son wrong or isn't giving him the opportunities I see fit. I'm going to want to like jump right in there. But same advice to myself. I'm not doing him any favors by going and doing the work for him. I need to empower him to have these conversations with these people. So second off, it's time to empower your daughter to have these conversations with her coach. Think about how much success this is going to set her up for in the future as well. With teachers, professors, in interviews, authority figures, all of the things. I get it. I was so nervous to talk with my college coach. We had these monthly meetings that I would absolutely dread. I would think about it all day long and I didn't want to do it, but they always ended up being the best conversations and helped me be so much more successful and earn more playing time because I knew what her expectations were for me and she knew where I was and what I needed. This week in Mindset Lessons, we are going to be doing, we are going to be working on exactly this. We are going to be creating a plan so your daughter can have the confidence to talk with her coaches and, you know, superiors in her life and put herself in the greatest position to succeed. So if you're like, we need this, I'm on board. I need to stop talking to my coaches, to her coaches for her. She needs to gain the confidence to do that herself. Sign her up for this week. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. She's going to walk away with a plan to have those conversations and build confidence to have those conversations with her coaches. I hope to see her there soon. Let me know if you have any questions. Always, I will talk to you soon. Bye. All right, Paige is a rock star, folks. Again, uh, as we say every week, take advantage of her programs. You know, the information that she's sharing with you here is great. But if you want your player to really have a better experience, be a better player, Go to pagetons.com, check out her programs, find something that fits what you need and get, it, get your daughter signed up for it. I was going to say, and tell her you heard about it here oh, on Fast every, Pitch Prep. Yeah, everything Fast Pitch. All right, so Don, our leadoff topic is sponsored by Elite Sporting Goods. Elite is located at 905 Grayson Highway in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Phone number there is 
888-888-0270. You can also contact them at Elite Sports Orders at yahoo.com. Anything you need, bats, balls, gloves, equipment, uh, uniforms, spirit wear, the whole nine yards, they're happy to ship anywhere in the country. Um, and they're doing a really good job of managing their way through the shortages and the challenges. So if you need anything at all, try the folks at Elite and uh, see if they can't hook you up. So, Don, this topic's come up a couple of times. I've just had this discussion with one of the older players that I work with. And it's one of those, uh, she's had that, uh, I guess, you know, come to the Lord moment where all this time and effort that she had been putting into the idea of being a college softball player, she's kind of crossed the bridge of uh, it's not what she really Maybe wants not to for do. me, yeah. And I think that that happens for a lot of different players. The challenge and the reason I wanted us to talk about it is I think that, unfortunately, some players are figuring out that college softball isn't for them after they're a freshman or sophomore or junior in college and they're doing it for all the wrong reasons. You know, one of the things that we always spend time talking about is recruiting stuff. And recruiting is a big part of what drives the game of fast pitch softball. It's undoubtedly the biggest thing that drives travel ball. The idea that, you know, players want to play in college and they have to play at a high level. They have to get recruited. They have to have a chance to show what they're capable of doing. But what I'm seeing more and more of and reading more and more about is that there's a pretty high percentage of players playing on those kinds of teams that are already starting to doubt whether they really want to play in college or they doubt that they want to be playing at a really high level in college. You know, they're kind of feeling a lot of pressure and a lot of uh, people pushing them to, you know, you have to commit to the very best school you can. You have to go to a big name school. You have to play high level, power five, national championship level college softball or all this time and all this money and all this sacrifice was wasted. And I think that's something that's definitely worth talking about. No, I think that, that that's a tough topic for sure, Tori. I know that the feeling is that all that stuff has been wasted, but no matter what decision they make and what direction they turn, I personally don't feel like it was wasted, that it was more of a just part of the journey. And at whatever crossroad you come to and decide whether it's after your freshman year and you gave it a try, and it didn't seem like it was for you, it was still, you know, part of your journey and part of the things that are going to make you, you. You know, we play so much softball and the, the, there is pressure to, to become the best you can be. You got to play a lot. Yep. And sometimes that's too much for your comfort level and everybody's different. You know, we come across kids that couldn't get enough. If there was an eighth day in the week, they'd like to fill it full of softball and they would do that until forever. Then there's others that are like, oh man, you know, we got, we practice three times this week. Do we really have to do a fourth thing? Right. And, and it's just um, different for everybody. So I think it's neat that, the, that all of the kids, at least here in our area, have a chance to play and do and um, be a part of something all the time. But it is, it's risky to, to do too much. And right. whenever that happens, I think that all the, the energy and time and monies that moms and dads put into you know, this event I think is still all well spent and, but to talk about it and to nurture that journey for each of these kids, I think is important. Right. Well, and I, the thing that you just said down that I think is the most important is for each of these kids, because all of these kids are different. Yeah. And I think unfortunately what is happening to an awful lot of them is the expectations that people hold for them and the pressure that people are putting on them is all the same. 
Yeah. You have to play big time softball. You have to be the best player you can possibly be. You have to get recruited by because we've um, done all these things, right? And yeah. and and whether that's coming from their parents specifically, their coaches, some combination of the people around them, whatever it is, we want to start to have a little bit more awareness of the fact that sometimes the players are a lot smarter than we give them credit for, and they know a lot more about what they want and what in their hearts and what they are willing to do or want want to do for the long haul than we than we want to listen to or we want to give credence to. I read something, uh, not a couple of things on, on social media, and I uh, did not make notes of them, but I just kind of resonated with me when I read them. And one was from a Division One player that played at a very high level, and she kind of went through the list of you know, five or six things that you better believe in your heart of hearts if you want to play at that level and about how much work it was, how dedicated you have to be, how it is a full-time job, how you know there's no guarantees that you're ever going to play, that you have to work your butt off and, and work and fight and scratch, and you still might not get to play. Just in case, right. right? And all this different stuff. And I thought that that was something that I wish more people were really understanding. Because I think a lot of the time when parents and, and coaches are are pushing players to the idea of, well, you have to play big level. You have to play high level. You've got to play power five. You've got to play for Oklahoma or Florida or UCLA because you're a really good player, that those people are not understanding what the commitment really is, what the... What they're pushing them into. What they're really, yeah, what they're asking them to sign up for. And so I think that part is one of the things that's a missing part of this equation. Another one that I've uh, read that also really raised some questions in my mind is, uh, someone that does team mental training had posted that one of the things that she started to do was ask players to write down a question that they would like an answer to. They could write it down and it could be anonymous. So instead of having to raise your hand yep. while you're having this session, you can write it down on a piece of paper and then you know later on I'll we'll sort through and I'll, I'll answer some of these you know questions that were written down. And you know she does that anonymous part because she, you know we all know that if we've got a group of people together. And, you know, you raise a question I like that, idea. that people yeah. are, you know, a lot of the kids are not going to be honest about what they really wanted to ask. And just like if we say, well, who wants to play college softball? They all raise their hand, even though some of them know they shouldn't sure, or they don't really want to, or who wants to play, you know, for Oklahoma or Florida or UCLA and play for a national championship. They all raise their hands, even though they know that they really don't want to. What she's been dealing with more and more of, and in the article I read, about a third of the kids are asking questions like, how do I tell my parents I don't want to play anymore? How do I tell my parents I want to play for fun? How do I tell my parents I don't want to play travel ball anymore? I just want to play one night a week and have fun with my friends. Yep. It's a lot more of those questions are the ones that the kids want to ask, but they're afraid to. When you're sitting in front of a group that you right. expect all of them want to play in college. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and half of these programs, mom and dad are sitting in their lawn chair, you know, 50 feet behind you, kind of listening to what's being said and over overhearing what's being discussed. There's no... But it's not my kid that's... Right, there's no yeah. safety net. And of course, you know, even if the parents knew that, you know, so 12 kids were at this seminar and four of them said, I hate softball, how do I quit? That wasn't mine. Yeah, they're all going to be like, well, it's, uh, I'm sorry for that person, but it's not my kid, even though it might be. So the moral to the story, what I wanted us to talk about is for all of our parents, coaches, people that are in the world of, of, of advising kids that might be thinking about playing college softball is it's okay for them to, and we want to encourage them to be honest with you about what they really want out of this game and to stop pigeonholing every kid into the same position of if you're on this travel ball team you have to play power five if you're on this you know if you're investing this time in 
in travel ball or lessons or camps, that it has to be because you're dying to go to one of these schools. An awful lot of kids would be a whole lot better served if people were listening to them say, hey, I want to play in college, but I want to play on a lower level. You know, I want to play in college, but I want to, I don't want to be, you know, 24 seven dedicated to it. You know, I, I want to play in softball, but I don't want it to be a full-time job. It, those kinds of kids have a, a place in college softball, just as much as that kid you were talking about. That's the 24 seven, 365. I'll do whatever it takes. Cause that's the only thing that matters to me, kid. Yep. And I think that kid's getting lost in the shuffle. And the other thing, and this is the harder one is, and it's okay to admit that it's time for your kid to do something else. It's okay for your kid to just go away to college and be a student, you know, to join a sorority, to, you know, join the band or the, you know, whatever clubs and things that she wants to do that she's not going to do if she's a softball player. No, I think, uh, you know, over the years too, Tori, we've seen, at least I know I've come across many kids and families that feel like the scholarship thing and that, that, that way to get an education is a have to. And there's so much pressure, there's so much planning, there's so much involved in that, that it's got to be crazy pressure on the kids. Yeah. And, but it, there, I think there's a fine line too between the excitement and the enthusiasm that a parent carries to help get through the tough times, to help them excel to that next level that'll help them experience something really fun potentially. Right. But it's not going to be for everybody. And I've also had other families and, and parents that, we're going to give them every opportunity to be the best they can be. But if they do play in college, great. If they don't, great. You know, we want for them to have a lot of fun. And we're going to have fun as a family traveling and competing and going places and seeing things and meeting families and doing all these other things that are a part of it, too. Maybe that's the more important piece. Right. Everything's going to balance out and level out in the end anyway. Right. So let's have fun and, and make it a, a, an exciting, great journey. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think that that would be a great thing if more people could get to that level of- It's of, tough. But it's, it's a very rare thing. I would be willing to bet that the number of families that are investing in travel ball look at it that way as it's a chance for them to spend quality family time, you know, seeing the country and, and having fun with softball. Learning is, about life. and It yeah. is 5%. Right. Maybe, and, and I might be being really generous because an awful lot of the kids that I've dealt with and a lot of the kids that I see, it's all about college. It's all about the scholarship. It's all about Power Five. It's all about the SEC. It's all about big time, big this, big that, big the other thing. And unfortunately, you know, at this point now, you know, I've been doing the, the lesson thing now for about eight years, and I've had probably, I'd say, 25, maybe 30 kids that have gone to big time softball programs that I've worked with. And out of those kids, there's 10 that are absolute rock stars. They're doing great. They're killing it. And they're, they're, they're doing amazing. But I've got 10 more that flat out quit softball. Right. And I've got, you know, 10 more in the middle that have transferred from that school to someplace else. And this know, is, this is the best of the best. Right. And those are of the, the, yeah, yeah. the of, of all the kids that I've worked with, the very best kids. And to look at that example, I mean, kind of falls in line with what this, you know, the, this discussion was all about for today, that if more of those kids had been allowed to, or been able to accept the fact that, you know, I'm talented enough to play at a higher level, but I'm going to be happier if I can do some other things. I'm going to be happier if it's not a 24 hour a day commitment. I'm going to be happier if I don't have to have the constant pressure to perform all the time that they experienced when they got to the school that they chose. 
you know, and that's a big reason why so many of those kids ended up, you know, dropping out or, or switching to a different level is they got what they thought they wanted. They got exactly what they were promised, but when they got there, what they got wasn't what they really wanted. And the reality of it is, I think most of them knew long before they got there that it wasn't what they really wanted. They just didn't know how to extricate themselves how to, how from to, that situation. How to manage it at right. that point. How, how to be honest <clears throat> with mom and dad and say, hey, I love well, softball, but... Yeah, and doing the things that it took to get there, I think, are, are going to be qualities that are going to make them successful in anything. Yeah. You know, as long as we can, you know, manage the mental part of it and not, not get crushed along the way. Right. And, and you know, the whole thing, you know, we, we spent a lot of time, you know, people are spending a lot more time now being aware of, you know, mental health issues and kids, you know, being able to handle the pressures in their lives. And you know, there's been a lot of tragic things that have happened with athletes that have, you know, succumbed to the pressure and haven't been able to handle it. And so I think, you know, the idea that we're expecting our players and, and all of the kids that we work with to aspire to something that we know in our heart of hearts is really hard, really demanding, and not for everybody. We need to start being a little bit more upfront and open with the people that we're dealing with and, and with the players that we work with and say, it's okay if you don't want to be at, you know, some pressure cooker situation. You know, we want you to do what's right for you. And if that means that we don't get to brag quite as much or, you know, put your picture up on the wall of the facility or whatever it is, you know, that that's okay. And it's crazy, Tori, because that kind of contradicts, you know, how I was raised and brought up too. It's like, you got to dig, you got to go, you got to, you know, more, 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 more. Yeah. And uh, so it's really interesting as yeah. we get older. Well, but I think yeah. that's part of why this situation is, is relevant. Now, your generation, because you're a little bit younger than me and people younger than you, there's still a lot of people that came up with that. You know, you just, you know, you, you never give up, you keep grinding, you know, and, and that attitude is, is okay. But when my always wanting more, always wanting better is pushing me into something that I don't really want. What you think is better for me and what I think is better for me are not necessarily always going to be the same thing. Right. And you know, you look at me and go, wow, you're a great hitter. You can play anywhere. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I'm a good hitter, but I'm not going to work at, at, at this game 24-7 for the rest of, you know, rest of my college career. I want to engineer I wanna, a doctor. Yeah, I want to be a doctor. I want to be an engineer. I want to you know, be in the band. I want to you know, join a fraternity. I want to do all, I mean, whatever it is are other things that could be and should be important in these kids' lives. And we're telling them that none of that stuff matters because softball is all. Because you're so good. And because you're good at it yeah. is a pretty tra big trap. And so we just want to make sure that you know the idea of if players are losing their love for the game, is it because of something in them or something in the system and in the situation that we've put them in? And I think it's a little bit of a combination of both. I think there's some kids that just fall out of love with the game and don't want to play it the way they used to. But I also think there's a lot of kids that are being dealt a really difficult hand to play and when we can't be surprised when they're running out of uh, strategies on how to play it well. So I think we got to be a little bit more realistic and, and a little bit more accepting and make sure that we're thinking about what's best for them for the long haul more so than what's good for the headlines in the local newspaper. No, I think that's a good, it's a tough discussion right there, Tori, but that's, yeah. that's definitely a good one. Yeah. All right, Don. So that's going to take us into our cleanup topic. Our cleanup topic is sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to be sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. It's a nutritious snack that every athlete should have in their bag of tricks. It will allow you to get a great snack, something that's healthy and nutritious, all natural, and goes a long way towards making a ball player a better one. And Tori, our listeners can get their Pinnacle Power Butter at PinnaclePowerButter.com, and they can place their order there. Again, that's PinnaclePowerButter.com. If they use their promo code of EFP10, they can also get a 10% discount. And we're really excited that they're on board with us. 
products are great. We've used them and tried them at home. The whole family loves it. All right. So as always, take advantage of that EFP10 discount. It's a great way for you to support everything fast pitch and also get uh, to save another 10% on your, on your Pinnacle products. So Don, I sent you a, a thing I found on the, on the internet uh, the other day that I thought was kind of interesting. I want us to talk about leadership and just a quick little discussion because this is one that we could have developed a, a whole series of podcasts to talk about. But it's kind of the old school versus the new school, um, thinking about how people like my generation and coaches of my generation and, and more of my mindset grew up with a leadership model that was very much the, I told you to do it. So leadership was exactly that. I'm going to tell you what to do and you're going to shut up and do it. So, and I know you had, uh, you know, sent a little, a little, uh, caption on that. First thing I was thinking is, uh, well, I've been around a lot of bosses. That's yeah. a, that, to me, that that's what a boss does. Right. Just tells me what, what I'm supposed to do and that's that and do it because I said, and, and then I started thinking a little bit more about, uh, you know, what you'd sent and the leaders are the people that I really, really look back and appreciate and, and respect a whole lot more so than just the bosses. Right. And they're the people that have a lot of the qualities you're going to talk about. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that, uh, I couldn't help now, I was not in the military, so I'm speaking from, you know, from what I believe, from what I've heard from people that, that have been, but that old school, and this is kind of the same discussion, you know, not that long ago, the military chain of command was, I say it, you do it. There's no questioning. There's no rationing. There's no uh, reasoning. There's no nothing, right? Yeah. And now I still think in, in the modern military, there's a little bit of that chain of command. But I think what's happened is, and to your point is, not that long ago, military <clears throat> leaders were bosses. They were telling you what to do and you just shut up and you did it. Well, now I think even in the military setting, leadership is much more what we're looking for you know, the model of, you know, just do what I said, no matter what. Now, I think there's still a certain level of you have to follow your orders, but I also think that there's a lot more built into it. Keep of, everybody safe. And, right. Yeah. But, I, but I also think there's a lot more of, but we want you to think about what it is that you're doing. We want you to uh, you know, understand what it is that you're doing. We want you to understand the, the reason why this stuff is important. And the thing that I found was really simple. You know, the, what old school leadership is, is the you know, telling people what to do. And now, I guess a little bit more of the modern level of leadership is involving a lot of different things. You know, and they talk about integrity and creating a vision and using your influence, but not bossing not people. Not abusing around, it. Right? Yeah. Using your power to influence people, but not using only your power. It's not, not I told you to jump and you ask how high, but you know I expect you to jump, but, I, but you need to understand why jumping is important. And then praise and being much more, you know, praising of the people that are on, on your team, being aware as a leader and being aware of what it is that you're doing and how you're doing it and the message that you're sending. The modern leaders are much more about listening first and speaking second, mm -hmm. right? To listen to what people have to say before interjecting. And then the last one was being more em empathetic, having more empathy. All those things now, and I think, you know, we, we talk a lot about how, you know, the, in our earlier discussion about you and I both came up in the, you know, they, your coach says, do something, you just shut up and you did it. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There was no reasoning. Now, there was lots of questioning. You know, everybody of our generation, as we were coming up, when our coaches would ask us to, you know, do something that might not be the best strategy or to, you know, to do something that felt like a crazy thing that might not make sense in, an, in another setting. We might question it, but we still did it. Sure. And now I think it's much more reasonable and much more um, acceptable that 
leaders have to understand that the people and players that we're leading now are going to be asking more questions, are going to have more concerns, are going to be much more involved in what's going on in their lives. And the idea of telling somebody to do it without them you know, understanding all these things that make us a good leader and show and demonstrating all these things that make us a good leader, the the likelihood of them following us has become a lot less. So I, I like all the things that you had mentioned there. And, and uh, again, if we are able as a coach or as a, a leader to share, display a lot of the qualities that you just, that you just went through right there, that people will be a lot more likely to just do what we ask them to do. If they see that we're you know, that we have integrity, that we do listen, that we do display a lot of those characteristics, that they'll more comfortably just let us be the boss right? at some point anyway. Well, and they but, will follow us more freely, more uh, enthusiastically, because they believe in, in what it is that we're asking them to do and, and telling them to do. But we got to earn it right. with these other pieces. And, and, and that's the thing that I think is so different. And, and as my coaching career developed and over the years, there were times that I would read different things and, and you know, different styles of coaching, you know, books and, and biographies, you know, from, you know, coaches that I really admired and respected. And a lot of these things were starting to be talked about, but it was still overruled by the fact that, you know, the Bobby Knight, Bear Bryant, Woody Hayes mentality that a lot of us grew up with. They had that, success. Yeah, and, the, and, and yeah. it's okay if your coach is a, is a nice guy some of the time, but but that's not really why you should listen to your coach. Or it's okay if your coach is, you know, has a lot of empathy for you, understands that you're going through a tough patch, but at the end of the day, it's your job's coach to kick you in the butt and make you do it whether you really want to or not. So I knew that there was a you know, that obviously all that stuff was valuable and was changing what we all thought of as coaching. But for so many of our generation, we never got to the point where it really came to fruition. And, yeah. and a lot of the players were still willing to, I say, jump, you say, how high? And now that has definitely changed. And so we talk a lot about how the kids have changed, but I'm not so much that the kids have changed that much. I think that we've just given them a little bit more of an opportunity to, to show things and, and demonstrate things that we were all thinking back in the day as well. Well, I think too, that it takes time, right? All these things that, that we listed there, it takes time to share that with our players or with our, you know, the people that we're supposed to lead. And, uh, in the past it was more efficient just to say, because I said, and then it's right. done and now it's over. We still get where we want to go. Everybody does what they're supposed to do, but it takes a lot more time invested in, you know, going through all those things to, uh, to share with the kids that we're leading. Right. Well, and, and, you know, one of the things that in, in my day and age, if you would have, you know, ask your coach, well, why are we doing something? You are just as likely to get cut from the team as you were to get an explanation. Sure. And so it's probably more like, right. And now the idea that we're encouraging players to be more questioning and, and to be more involved you know, it just changes the landscape quite a bit. And so that puts pressure on us as coaches to too. keep and, and, yeah. and to understand more and to, to do a better job of understanding the audience that we're, that we're projecting to the players that we're coaching. And so I think that's one of those things that was just worth throwing out there because I think for a lot of us, we still think of, of coaches as bosses. And I think what we're seeing more and more of is the coaches that are really successful have a lot more of these other qualities. You know, and, and I think about, you know, in the softball world now, I mean, if anybody thinks that has any question about how in charge Patty Gasso is of what's going on with that Oklahoma program, they're missing the boat. She is in charge. But I think she's a perfect example coach that when, as a player and as a young coach coming up, was not too far removed from the 
old school, I say it, you do it, that's it, to somebody now that if, you know, if we talk to her current players, that there's a lot more of the new stuff, a lot of these terms that we talked about with empathy and, and understanding and awareness and things like that going on. And I think that's what separates now the coaches that we see as great coaches now from coaches that maybe are getting passed by or being left left behind. The, the modern coach that's really successful is aware of what leadership really is and is doing a better job of incorporating it. No, I think that's exciting to talk about, Tori, because uh, again, I know I can do better. And if I'm aware that I need to work on certain things. Yeah. So well, and I think it's just, it's, we it's need valuable. to chat about it yeah. and talk about it. Cause and, a lot of the people yeah. that are listening are coaches. A lot of them, you know, it's just real world stuff that's helpful. And I think, you know, even if you're never going to lead anything, but you're going to work every day, knowing what makes your boss a good boss versus somebody else's boss, a bad boss. Or just me as a parent with right. my kids. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause when we think of parenting, your kids are just as different as, as your kids now, as they are different as softball players now. If you want to be a better parent that's going to have a better relationship with your kid, a whole lot of these new leadership things are important. And again, you know, when we were kids, if your parents said do it, you just shut up and you did it. And of course, we grew up in the day. I can remember or being pay the price. Well, I can remember yeah. coming home. I don't feel like I was an abused child. No. But I got hit a lot. And I got spanked a lot. And it was just you know how life was back then. You know, if, if I if I questioned something. You know, it was not uncommon for me to have to go pick the switch out of the tree so I could get get my daily whooping. You better make um, sure it's big enough or I'm picking the next one. Yeah, and so so yeah. that was the uh, message back then. And of course, uh, spanking-proof underwear that I came up with where I would put like seven pair of underwear together <laughs> to try to have a little bit extra padding. Nice was, try. When that was discovered, that was a really bad idea. So <laughs> Nice um, try. So thinking about leadership is way more important than uh, than just being a boss. So, and, and I like sharing why things, why we want to do things a certain way. So it kind of puts things to rest and they're yeah. like, okay, that makes sense. Let's yeah. move on. Yeah, a little bit of understanding can go a long way. So yep. Don, that's going to take us to this week's coaching tip. Our coaching tip of the week is about something that's real life. So here's something I see constantly, and I keep talking to players individually when I see it, but I think it's a, a universal problem. You know, our facility, we get done with lessons. I usually have my last lesson at either 9 or 9.30 at night. So, you know, when we get done, it's nighttime. It's it's late. Yep. And now we're, you know, we've got a, a lit parking lot and, and it's a, you know, a fairly secure situation. But even in that setting, I think some of these habits that I see these kids developing and the things that they do make me really, really nervous. So I saw this on, uh, on Facebook a while back. This is something we talked about uh, a long time ago. But getting all these kids to understand there's some common sense things that they need to start doing, they need to start paying more attention to, because they're setting themselves up and putting themselves in, I think, a really dangerous and, and potentially life-threatening situation by some of the habits that they have. The other day, uh, I got done with my last lesson. It's nine 9.30 at night. It's dark as night outside. There's hardly any traffic on the street. You know, I turn off the lights, turn off the radio, so I'm probably 10 minutes behind the last lesson that I had. I come out and she's still sitting in the parking lot. Her car door is unlocked. She's looking at her phone, answering text messages and stuff like that in a totally secluded, deserted area where if there was somebody with bad intentions, something really bad could happen. And it's something I see these kids doing all the time. There's a list I found of things that we want to tell our kids and tell our daughters to make sure that they're doing. Now, your daughter's just learning how to drive. She's going to be at some point in time, driving places on her own is a really good thing for you to make sure that your kids are aware of too. So here's the list. 
common sense things that we need to make sure that our kids are doing. Make sure you fill up your gas tank before sunset. So if you're stopping at the gas station, fill up during the daytime because at night at the gas station, again, a little bit sketchier, a little bit scarier. So I got one more for you on yeah. that. I, I tell mine to use the middle the middle pumps, not out by the trees. Yeah, closest to on the, the side. Yeah, closest yep. to, the, to the station. Yep. Okay? Always keep an extra phone charger in your car. Park in well-lit areas. Always look in your back seat before you get in the car. After parking, don't just sit, do your checkbook, check your phone, whatever it is. After parking, don't just sit, lock your door as soon as you get in and leave. Okay. Um, Same thing in the opposite. When you're getting into the car, don't get into the car and spend 10 minutes with the door unlocked, checking your phone, checking your messages, sending out a couple of texts with whatever's going on. If you are in a situation like that, get in your car and leave. Do the text messages someplace else. And Don't just be, be that target that jumps right into the car and as, sits there waiting. As you're talking about this, Tori, I'm seeing kids, our kids or whoever, looking at their phones as they're approaching the vehicle and not being aware of what's right. around them. Yeah, they're so busy you know, tweeting or texting or whatever that they're not even aware of the fact. You know, their head's down on the phone. And most of the time, mom and dad are kind of in charge of making sure the scenario is safe. Right. But then they become the driver and they become the one that has to be securing it like right. you're talking about. Yeah. Well, because I go through the same thing. It's always funny to me. You know, when kids first start coming to me, they're, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. Yep. And then, you know, all of a sudden they get to be 16 and they start driving. And when they first start driving for a month or so, mom and dad still come to lessons with them. And then the first time mom and dad figure out that they're going to actually be able to drive themselves and get there and get home that that means that mom and dad don't have to spend an hour, hour and a half, two hours in the car so that their kid can go have their lesson. Certainly. Well, that's when the, the, the kid... Responsibility yeah, the changes. Kid, yeah, the kid needs to know they're responsible now. They're the ones that have to be you know, responsible for the safety. So do not ever park next to a van. If you come to your car and there's a car sitting close to yours with people in it, go back and find somebody to walk you out to your car. So, so the two, if there's a van parked close to you, that could be a really dangerous situation because they might be there to, you know, grab you and throw you in the back or the same thing, a car sitting next to yours with people in it, they might have the same bad intention. And it's not just only in the movies. The human human trafficking stuff mm -hmm. that goes on in this world, the kids that get kidnapped that, you know, that, that get put into life threatening situations is legitimate. It's not something that just happens on TV. And that's why I wanted us to talk about it. I think we as adults need to keep reminding these kids, you know, so for me now, you know, just seeing this again, I'm going to remind kids that, you know, constantly when I know they're there for lessons late at night, you know, make sure you're safe. You know, when you get done in here, when Wait you get a minute, in your car, I'll walk out with yeah, you. You, know, make, yeah. you know, again, to make sure that, that they're doing what they're supposed to do. Go back inside and get somebody to help. If somebody came in and said, Hey, there's a, a car parked out here that's, you know, just got the engine idling and I'm, you know, and I know they don't belong. I'll walk you out and get you in the car. Make sure that you get you know on the highway and, and walk back in. The, you know, the next lesson can wait for two or three minutes while we make sure that you get home safe. Yep. A couple others that were on the list, always use the elevator, never use the stairs. And then also, uh, you mentioned this before, Don, make sure your heads are up and your phones are down. Be aware of what's going on. If you're walking yeah. along, staring at your phone, you are the prime victim just waiting to happen. And so I don't want to throw all kinds of doom and gloom and scariness into the world all the time, but I think we have to be more aware and again, just like we're helping players become better hitters or, or better pitchers or whatever it is, and you know, trying to have a team that's winning games, I also want to make sure that these kids are as safe as they can be in the real world. When you're old, you see bad stuff happen to good people. You know, and I've seen it happen to, to kids that I've coached, had you know, situations that have been really heartbreaking and sad that you know, kids have had to deal with. 
So they need to just be, you know, we need to help them be a little bit more aware so they can do a better job of looking out for themselves. No, I think that's great, Tori. And I do like when we do see on social media the new scam or the new way to be abducted or whatever in parking lots. I like when people share all that stuff. So this is just part of it. Yeah. And and I I know one of the things that happens, I think, you know, the kids that I deal with, I'm sure their parents are telling them a lot of these same things. But when you're 16 years old, your parents have somehow crossed the barrier of being the stupidest people in the planet. And and so for many, many kids, when they're 16, 17, 18 years old, they're not going to hear this from their parents. Or if they do, they're going to think their parents are just being dumb. If they hear it from their parents and they hear it from their hitting coach and they hear it from their travel ball coach and all these people are, are reminding them. Not that long ago, I had a player when I was coaching um, at Tennessee Tech that didn't like to wear a seatbelt. The way our situation was set up, the kids most of the time drove to the field for practice. And I told her if I ever caught her driving without her, without her seatbelt on, I was going to make her run two miles. And the very next day, she pulled into the parking lot, and I was... Happened to be there? Accidentally happened to be there. <laughs> and I saw her jump right out of her car without having to disconnect the, the seatbelt. So I knew she didn't have it on. So guess who ran two miles? Did she like it at the time? No. Did she end up wearing her seatbelt at least when she knew I might have a chance of catching her? Yes. If her being mad at me while she was running two miles... Saved her. Saved yeah. her from a, a fatal accident because she was in an accident somewhere later on in her life. I can live with that. Um, sometimes I think we just need to remember that there's some real life stuff that we can help with too. So Don, that's going to wrap up number 240. As always, please make sure you support our sponsors, the Anderson Bat Company, Bidinger and Styles DDS, Elite Sporting Goods, and Pinnacle Power Butter. Go to patreon.com slash everything fast pitch and support this uh, podcast if you can. We definitely need your help. If you have suggestions, questions, player of the week nominations, make sure you reach out to us at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com and fastpitchprep at gmail.com. Either one of those email addresses works. And as always, fastpitchprep.com to order your square cuts, training discs, take advantage of the YouTube channel and the uh, blogs. There's over 700 of them on the, on the website. So um, for Coach Don McKinley and our producer, Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tory saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.